Turn with me to First um, John chapter four. How much, how much is an ultrasound machine? How much is an ultrasound machine? Five to seven is what you said? Five to seven, Jimmy. And um, it's something we could be praying about. That would be awesome if they had that, to be able to minister to more women. First John chapter 4. I want to start by reading this passage. Uh, join with me, chapter 4, if you have your Bibles open. First John chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Those who have accepted Christ, of course. And he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested. Here's how we can understand the love of God. Towards us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And send his son to be the satisfaction, the word in some texts is this propitiation for our sins. This is how we know love, because God loved us and sent his son for us. I'd like for a few minutes this morning for us together to think of the subject of understanding love. And uh, I start with that scripture, because if we're going to really understand love, and I mean really understand it, we have to go to the word of God. Because it's the Word of God that clearly defines what love is. And we'll, we'll work this out as we continue in our time together this morning. When it comes to the subject of love within a marriage relationship, uh, there are a number of things that have been written. Okay, And a woman by the name of Catherine Porter is quoted in this book called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. And I love that book. That's a premarital counseling book, and it's written by the parents, Les and Leslie Parrott. And uh, this lady says this, so interesting. She said, love must be learned and learned again and again. There is no end to it. In other words, we really need to take the time to concentrate on what really is love. If you were to stop and ask some people what love is, you're going to get various definitions of what they believe love is. Again, we're going to focus on what the Word of God says with regards to love. (laughs) It's interesting when asked, what makes a good marriage? The answer given by 90% of the people asking the question, uh, who were asked the question, 90% said, what makes a good marriage? Being in love. That was the answer. However, when asked to list the essential ingredients of love as a basis for marriage, the survey of a thousand college students said that not one single item could they agree on that was listed. They couldn't agree that these are the elements of love. In other words, the point is, multitudes of people cannot agree on what is love. Let's pause for a minute. In your mind and thinking, try to give a definition of what you believe love is. 
It's very interesting when we come to the Word of God. The Word of God is very clear on what love is. In fact, uh, the various kinds of love are listed in Scripture. Uh, There are three Greek terms that are used for love. The first one is agape love. And that's the one I want you to remember this morning. The highest form of love is agape love. That's the love that's defined out in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Agape love. Uh, It's sacrificial commitment uh, to do... Uh, and to, to the well-being of someone else, to the well-being of another. I like Dr. Ryrie's definition. He says, love is, agape love, this is easy to remember, seeking the highest good in the one that's loved. It's seeking the very best in the person that you love. So therefore, uh, if you have agape love, you're not just going to want to help somebody, okay? You're going to want to help them in the most, Uh, sacrificial way that you can to make sure that their needs are met. That's agape love. Seeking the highest good in the one that's loved. That's the highest form of love. There are other terms for love listed in the Greek language. Phileo love. That's brotherly love. That's mentioned in scripture, by the way. Brotherly love. You know the city of Philadelphia? That's the city of brotherly love. And if they win Super Bowls, they help each other, they build things up, they, they collect things. They, you know why I said that. Phileo, brotherly love, the love of friends and relatives. The third Greek term for love uh, gives another kind of love, and that's sensual or romantic love. The love that should be within a marriage relationship. And uh, the scripture doesn't use the term eros, that third kind of love. But it certainly describes uh, what God has made to be enjoyed within the marriage relationship. Now it's interesting uh, that the world, I believe, has tried to uh, distort this kind of love. But the Bible is very clear that God himself invented romantic love to be experienced within the marriage relationship. Very interesting. The Bible is very clear on this. And uh, you go over to 1 John, that passage that we read to start with this morning, and you see that in 1 John, the word love is used more than 40 times. So you see, God's trying to communicate something through the Apostle John. John summarizes his teaching on love in 419, where it says, We love him because he first loved us. And it's a wonderful thing to realize and understand that no matter where we are, and this was communicated by Amber this morning, no matter where we are, God loves us and wants us to enjoy a relationship with him. We love him because he first loved us. And when we love him and have a relationship with him, we can properly love others. The Bible is very clear. Agape love is one of the uh, rarest words in the Greek language. It's one of the rarest words. But in the New Testament, it's one of the most common words that's used. Repeat. In Greek literature... Agape love is not mentioned that much. But in the Bible, God's word, agape love is mentioned a lot. 
In fact, the New Testament speaks compellingly about God's love for us. And even of our love for Jesus Christ because of what he did for us on the cross. But please don't miss this. We're talking about the subject of love. The focus of the New Testament is on our love for others. You say, wow, that's interesting. It is interesting. In fact, the verse that spells this out is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. We won't have time for a whole lot of verses, but this one is vitally important. If you say, I want to understand what the Bible says about love, you have to know what Ephesians 5, 2 says. Remember, the Bible talks about God's love for us. The Bible talks about our love for God and our love for Jesus Christ. But the focus of the New Testament is on our love for others which we can share because of the love of God that's been put in our hearts. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. And walk in love. Live a life of love, some translations say. Ephesians 5, 2. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. In other words, the text is very clear. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Father in heaven was completely satisfied with his sacrifice for us. Jesus willingly went to the cross for us. And you know, we've probably heard this before down through the years. You've heard people say, well, when Christ died on the cross, he had each of us in mind. He really did. He really did. Because God is omniscient, uh, omnipresent, all-knowing. And uh, it moves us to think about the fact that when Christ died on the cross, he had you and me in mind, living in this day in which we're living. And the Father in heaven completely accepted his sacrifice for our sins on the cross. And as a result of that, you will notice the exhortation is that we are also, like Christ loved us, we are also to love one another. Very interesting. So when we're talking about this highest form of love, agape love, we're saying that agape love doesn't refer to romantic love. It doesn't refer to uh, brotherly love. It's not a sentimental kind of love. It's a self-sacrificing type of love. It's the type of love that was seen when Jesus Christ went to the cross and died there for your sins and my sins. It's a self-sacrificing love. Very important. 1 Corinthians 13, we looked at that passage this morning, is the passage in the Word of God that clearly defines uh, what love is, agape love. Uh, We're going to take a glance at at the passage. 1 Corinthians 13 provides, I believe, what we could call the clearest definition of agape love. I found a quotation this week by a man by the name of Dr. Carl Menninger. He's a famous psychologist and founder of the Menninger Clinic. And he said this. He said, love is the medicine for our sick world. Wait till you hear what he says in relationship to that. Love is the medicine for our sick world. If people can learn to give and receive love, I'm going to add it this way. It's amazing what God will do in their lives. I added that on to what he said. 
He was not saying, he did not mean that all sickness in the world comes as a result of a lack of love. But what he was saying is there's a lot of problems in our society because of the failure of people to love one another. We know that to be true. The problem is that multitudes of people do not really understand what love is. And so love is summarized in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, where it says, will you notice, and we're going to glance at some of these and uh, try to put them together, forming what we know God wants us to understand about love. Uh, chapter 13, verse 4 starts out with two phrases. It says, first of all, Love suffers long and is kind. Love is long-suffering. And uh, that's important. Uh, Love, some translations have, love is patient. And so if I say, okay, I understand God wants me to love others. Am I patient with others? What's my PQ, my patient quotient? Uh, Is it good? Is it a high number? Or um, am I very impatient? It's it's amazing what God does in our lives when we take our needs to him. 2 Peter 3.9 says, God is long-suffering towards us and not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Could we agree this morning that God's long-suffering with our world, with the people in our world? with the problems that we're facing today? And why is it that Jesus hasn't come back yet to receive us unto himself? Because he's long-suffering. There's still people that he wants to come to faith in him. And uh, when that last person, whoever it might be, puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ before he returns, we're going up to be with him. And uh, you heard of that man who was the last one saved before Christ comes. Heard about him? Uh, he uh, puts his faith in Jesus Christ and the rapture takes place and he's caught up into heaven and he says, man, this Christian life is really great. <laughs> the Lord will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, and it could be our generation, we a living generation of believers, shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Having the love that God wants us to have, of course, comes as a result of our yielding to the Lord. In fact, it's yielding to the Holy Spirit which indwells us as believers. The Bible says very clearly, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So uh, when we um, willingly say, Lord, I I desire to have the, the kind of love that's spelled out in 1 Corinthians 13, and we won't be able to look at all the verses If you're saying this morning, you know, Lord, I want the kind of love that the Bible talks about, the love that I should show to others, even those who may not love me back. Remember, Jesus is the one who said, love your enemies, do good to those who spitefully use you. Very difficult to you. Very difficult to do. Um, Probably one of the hardest things we're ever asked to do is to forgive those who sin against us are, are um, could I even say, hateful towards us. Very difficult to do. And some people say, well, you'll hear them say, I, I just can't forgive that person 
for what they did. But you know, through Jesus Christ, a Christian can forgive others. A Christian can love others. And it comes as a result of yielding to the Holy Spirit, who indwells each of us as believers. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit is, first at the top of the list, is love. And uh, this love filters down into the um, other qualities that God wants to see in our lives. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. The Lord wants to see those things in our lives. All right, let's take this morning. God wants to see peace in our hearts. He doesn't want us to be in a state of turmoil. He wants to see peace. He wants to see love. That's our big idea this morning. But he wants to see joy. He wants us to see peace. He wants to see um, long-suffering, kindness. Someone put it this way. Joy is love enjoying. Peace is love resting. Patience or long-suffering is love waiting. Kindness is love reacting. Goodness is love choosing. Faithfulness is love keeping its word. Gentleness is being able to empathize with others because of love in your life. Self-control is love being in charge. How interesting this section of Scripture is. Love is long-suffering and it's kind. It's kind. It's amazing that God wants to see long-suffering, patience, and kindness in our hearts towards others. Remember that radio minister called J. Vernon McGee a number of years ago? He had the walk through the Bible ministry. And uh, he said this. Now just, just think about this for a minute. I'm looking at that verse, and it's a simple verse. It just says, love is kind. And he one time he said, you know, he said... Um, I'm around Christians sometimes and they're very raspy. Now some of you who are younger don't know what a rasp is. <laughs> a rasp is something you use in the shop and it's very rough. And he said that we need to uh, submit to the Holy Spirit and allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives so that we can be long-suffering and uh, we can be kind to others. Long-suffering and kind. Oh, there's a number of terms here. Uh, love does not envy. And uh, I say, Lord, help me not to be envious of somebody else. Uh, envy um, can be very subtle, can creep into our lives. It's sometimes it's wanting something that someone else has. It could be wanting a position uh, or a recognition that someone else gets. Uh, love does not envy. Love does not vaunt itself. It's not puffed up. Wow. I'm reading this and I'm saying, Lord, help me, please, not to have these things in my life. You've told us what love is. Now, when it says, by the way, when it says love uh, does not boast about its accomplishments, I think we need to put a parenthesis in here. Because there are times when God does a work in our hearts that God wants us to share what he has done for us, right? There's very clear teaching in the word of God with regard to this. Paul and Barnabas, after they're spreading the gospel, we read in Acts 14, 27. Now, when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported that God had all that God had done with them and how he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So, the Bible says, 
It's not boasting to say, here's what God has done with me and through me. God wants us to do that. Very important. In fact, you remember the Lord Jesus after he healed the man of a, a demonic uh, possession. The man wanted to carry along and follow Jesus. And Jesus said to the man, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. And uh, that's, that's a blessing. That's a privilege we can have to share the things that God has done in our lives. In fact, if you go over into the book of 1 Peter, you see that we as believers are called believers priests. In other words, in the New Testament, every Christian is a priest before God. We go to God on behalf of others. That's what a priest does. And that's what you and I do. We pray for others in our family. We pray for others that we meet along the way. We pray for others in ministry because we're believer priests. And the purpose of a believer priest, which we all are, by the way, 1 Peter chapter 3, it says we're believer priests in order that we might show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so God wants us to be sharing the things that he has done for us. And that's not um, being puffed up. That's not boasting. This is what God wants us to do. And also the text says that love uh, does not um, behave itself unseemly. Uh, God wants us to be tactful as we minister to others. And there's many, many other things here. It says, love thinks no evil, in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 13. Thinks no evil, and that's a bookkeeping term. In other words, when people sin against us, God doesn't want us to keep writing down the things of the past. Uh, God doesn't want us bringing things up, the things of the past that are taken care of, obviously. Love thinks no evil. It's a bookkeeping term. It means that if we really love others, we're not going to keep a record of the things that they have done against us. We're going to give them to the Lord. We're going to put them in the Lord's hands. Very important. Other terms that are used in the chapter, verse 6, 1 Corinthians 13.6 says, Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. How easy it is when we hear someone who, you know, we don't really like that much and they fall into sin and uh, we kind of, oh, we smile about it. And, well, they got what they deserve. No, that's not love. Love is caring for a brother or sister in Christ who falls into sin. It's being willing, as Galatians 6 says, to restore someone who has fallen into sin. And, and I keep this in mind. When you hear someone in the body of Christ, maybe another Christian who falls into sin, Love in your heart's going to allow you to pray for them, to do what you can to help them, to get back on track, the term was used this morning. Very important that we understand this. Love, joy, peace. The Lord wants to see these things in our lives. You know, I, I thought about this chapter, and we'll close with this. I thought about this chapter, and I thought, you know, what we're going to do, we look at this and we say, here's things God doesn't want to see in our lives, 1 Corinthians 13. And here's things God wants us to see in our lives, uh, wants to see in our lives. He wants us to bear all things, believe all things, hope all things. He wants us to be positive in, in what is happening in our sphere of influence. He wants to see that positiveness in our sphere of influence. Then I ask myself the question, suppose I come to the conclusion, I say, you know, Lord, I want to have your love 
in my heart towards others. Agape love. Highest form of love. Lord, I realize that the New Testament says we should be loving others. And Lord, I'm going to confess that there are times I haven't loved others like I should. My attitude towards others may not have been what you want it to be. But Lord, I want to go on. I want to move on. I want to have the love of Christ in my heart. I heard that the New Testament spoke, speaks rather more about loving others than it even talks about loving God. In fact, we prove our love for God by having genuine love and concern for others. So then I looked at that and I said, you know, what, are, what, what do we get? What do we get if we have the love of God controlling us? A lot of people approach Scripture and they say, what's in it for me? <laughs> the amazing thing is there's a lot. There's a lot in the Word of God. The blessings that pour into our lives because of our relationship with Christ. I jotted down two very quickly. First one is this, benefits. Love provides purpose in our lives. Love provides purpose in our lives. You know that word agapeo, the highest form of love? The Apostle John used it in 1 John 2.15. And he said, love not the world nor the things that are in the world. Wow. He's saying, be careful of what you really love in life. Because remember... The, message, the, the reference was given to us this morning. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. So God's saying to us, make sure that your um, values, the things that you love, uh, are not just the things of this world. Okay? It makes an inadequate um, purpose for life by just wanting the things in this life. Okay, we've heard the testimony of multitudes of people who have had many things in this life, but they didn't have the Lord, and they died very sad because life was very empty for them because they didn't have the Lord. So again, love provides purpose in life. Love not the world. Who are we to love? We're to love the Lord. In fact, life per- life's purpose is this. Please don't miss this. You were made by God, and you were made for God. And repeat it. Very important. You were made by God and you were made for God. Key reference, Colossians 1.16. All things were made by him and for him. Repeat. Colossians 1.16. All things were made by him and for him. Therefore, the top of our list, why are we here? We're here for God. We're here to please Him. And probably one of the reasons that you're here to worship the Lord this morning is you realize that God is worthy of your worship, that you are here by His design, and He is worthy of our worship this morning. Uh, This is a very important truth in the Word of God. All things are made by Him and for Him. Purpose for life? Why are we here? We're here for Him. And that's why we kind of, as we go along life's journey... Lord, what do you want me to do next? (laughs) What are the things that you have for me? Because, Lord, I'm here for you because I was made for you. Very important. Love in our hearts produces purpose in life. We understand why we're here. Secondly, love enables us to really help others. Now, this is a a beauty. This is a beauty. I'm going to repeat it. Love in our hearts, that agape love that God wants to see, enables us to really help others. 
All right, we take this principle from 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, By this we know love. Here, okay, I want to I know what love's all about. We've given a definition that's seeking the highest good in the one that we love. We know that we're to love God. All right, what's the demonstration of love? 1 John 3, 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. Wow. Now, what's the principle? Love enables us to really help others to make a difference. Now, here's the point. There are multitudes of service organizations out in the world. There are a lot of organizations that say, feed the hungry, and this is all good. Okay, this is all good. But as believers, we have another responsibility in helping others, and that's to help them spiritually, just like which was mentioned this morning, to help them spiritually. We're not just interested in people's physical and material needs. We want to help them spiritually. The principle's clear in the Word of God. So what's the point? When the love of God is in your heart, you're not only going to be concerned for somebody who has some material needs and physical needs, when the love of God is in your heart, you're going to be concerned, and this is healthy, about their spiritual condition. You're going to be concerned. Are they in fellowship with God? Are they ready for heaven? Or are they on their way to an eternal hell? You see, that's where the work of Christ in your life makes a difference. That's the benefit of having love. You're not only concerned for the physical well-being of others. You're not only concerned that they get their needs met, physical needs in this life, material needs. You're concerned that they have a relationship with Christ and someday they can go to heaven and the glory to be with him. Let's look to the Lord in closing prayer.